Talofa, it's Ty and Danny from Hopecast. Uh, today we've got a very special guest, uh, Rob Ngaitau. He's a father of two, a um, loving husband, and uh, we're looking forward to having a chat to him. So Rob, uh, welcome to the show, man. Uh, thanks so much for being a part of it. And um, tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Uh, thank you guys for having me, um, and thank you guys for leading in this space too. Like, it gives um, people like myself the opportunity to share um, and hopefully inspire um, others to speak out um, uh, around mental health issues and trying to break that stigma. So, uh, thank you guys. Uh, just about background about me: um, born and bred in West Auckland, did my schooling there as well. So I went to Massey High, uh, did a few years at Calston. Um, I was raised by my grandparents, so my mother had me when she was young. So growing up uh, in a real Christian-orientated, valued home. Um, as the only child, but obviously with my grandparents, we always had wider or extended family around. So my cousins and um, and all that are kind of like my brothers and sisters. So um, yeah, that's a bit about my background. Man, you, you've been through like um, a few ups and downs. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I think, um, you know, growing up in a Pacific household, uh, you know, rugby's always seen as like the pinnacle, like to be successful, you have to be a rugby player. So from a young age, like that's all I wanted to be was become a rugby player. And some things happened along the way that... <laughs> You know, I had injuries and um, I got cut from a few uh, professional teams. Um, all that stuff kind of uh, started to build up and I never knew how to address those emotions. So, you know, for a long time, like, you know, like I said, I just I had a lot of injuries. I'd go and sign for teams overseas and wouldn't play because my knees would give out on my Achilles and shoulders and stuff. So. Um, we come to a point where I didn't really know whether to hang up the boots or um, or continue to try and pursue this, this dream so I could be successful in the eyes of my family. Um, and then, yeah, I think I just hit rock bottom. Uh, my final contract got cut early because of an injury that's kind of stopped me from playing um, now, which was six years ago. Um, and then that's where I started kind of on this mental health journey. To be honest, if I cut to the to the point, like two years ago, um, things were a lot different for me. Uh, <clears throat> it's uh. I mean, you know about the journals, like it's when you get taken to those deep or those dark places um, and, you know, obviously growing up as a as a young Polynesian, like in our household, we're taught um, to not show your emotions, you know, that's a weakness. Um, and so, you know, I didn't know how to deal with all that stuff, everything that happened and like two years ago, uh, I thought like there was a, I don't want to be here anymore. Like I'm not who 
my family wanted me to be. You know, I'm a, I'm a failure to myself, to my wife and my children. Um, you know, I just, you know, I wanted out. So I went out, had a few beers with um, a few of my mates. And uh, I remember coming home and told the kids, like, you know, if anything happens, just call mum. And uh, there was, uh, you know, with my injuries and that, like, there's a lot of painkillers lying around. So I had, like, trauma. I remember taking, I think it would have been, yeah, however many it was. All I wanted to do was just, like, get to sleep and wake up and everything, you know, everything would be gone. I just remember taking it and looking at the kids after I'd had, a, you know, a few too many beers. Um, and then I took the tramadol, slept. And I remember waking up and so my kids were surrounding me. My wife was crying over the top of me and I was like, what's, you know, what's happened? And that's when I knew, like, something was wrong, like I had to address the, obviously the issues that were there because I didn't want my kids to see, you know, their dad as a as a failure. Um, if I can read out what I wrote, because I'm not very good at articulating myself, like when I was speaking in, you know, in front of people yeah. and, and stuff like that. So my strength is in my writing. And so um, I, wrote, I wrote this as my way two years ago of telling everyone like this is my journey and this is what I'm on so um, they say they say a picture says a thousand words from the outside looking in it may seem like life is good I have a loving wife two beautiful children an amazing extended family and some awesome friends but in reality it's been far from that I see a broken man not willing to burden his family with the struggles he is going through in life I see a broken man pretending everything is perfect behind, but behind closed doors is very fragile. Now, for a long time, I've known something's not right, but I kept sweeping it under the carpet, telling myself to shut up eh, and stop being a thief. I got tipped over the edge a couple of weeks back and things took a turn for the worst. Some nights I'd wake up sweating and shaking uncontrollably. Others I'd be crying early hours in the morning on the floor, curled up in a ball. I'd sometimes take off in the car and drive till I fell asleep. Then set my alarm to make sure I was back home so no one knew that I'd left. My biggest eye-opener was coming home after having a few afternoon beers. Hugging my kids and reaching for the tramadol. The last thing I remember saying to them was if anything happens, just call mum. My intention was never to self-harm. I just desperately needed to sleep and then I wanted to wake up and it all be a dream. It wasn't, it was really happening. The feeling of never being good enough and failing myself and my family played right into the hands of this demon. If it wasn't for my wife's reassurance that everything would be okay and her love and support, I don't think I'd ever had the courage to seek help. You know, everyone knows me as the mocker you know, funny, outgoing, easy to get along with guy that will always do, go out his way to do things for others. But I'm far from that person. You know, I've recently been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, 
When the doctor told me I broke down, I was ashamed, embarrassed, I felt like a failure and then let my family down. How can someone who comes across so big, staunch and confident all of a sudden feel like this? You know, why is this happening to me? All these thoughts kept running through my mind, feeding that little demon in my head. Uh, I'm blessed with some amazing people in my life. I'm trying every day to better myself. I'll admit it's far, it's far from easy. There are days when I'll be fine and others where I'll want to stay in a dark room and not come out. I'm sharing this because I believe my calling in life is in helping others as much as I need help at this stage in my, myself. If this message can help someone who is going through something similar, then I'm doing my part. Please don't let pride stop you from getting help. Reach out and talk to those you trust. And if you're on the receiving end, please don't judge. Just be there to listen and support. Mental health, I know, as a Pacific Island male, is not easy to show our emotions. We need to break the tall puppy, puppy syndrome and understand that this isn't a joke and these are real life issues we are dealing with. You know, I'm not perfect, but I'm willing to show my flaws and to prove, oh, flaws to prove it and help out where I can. If you can help me along the way, I'll appreciate that as well. It's never too late. Be that hope. So I wrote that like uh, two years ago. Um, like I said, like, I'm, like my strength is in writing. Like I, I really push my messages through through writing and stuff because I'm not very good at talking. But that's yeah, that's the start of my journey, which was two years ago. Thank you, man. Th thank you for sharing. Um, it's it's interesting, uh, Danny. You know um, that that Rob uses um, diary mm. writing um, as yeah. a form of expressing himself. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think that's 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 really really. Ha have you always kind of been a writer? Like, is that an outlet for you to show your emotions? Because you you say like when you, especially when you go back to your childhood that you don't feel like you couldn't feel like you could talk to anybody. Did you did you write a lot uh, and that was your way of expressing yourself? Yeah, probably wrote a bit too many love letters back in the days. But um, That's romantic, man. I say, <laughs> like, keep, keep doing that. Uh, but to be honest, yeah, I think, like, at school, English was probably uh, one of the better subjects that I liked. So, mm. you know, obviously writing essays and <laughs> doing stuff like that, you know, yeah. was kind of what I enjoyed doing. So I guess, like, when I hit that rock bottom point, like, yeah. I just resorted back to what I knew and at that time was, was writing, so... Uh, yeah, it's been pretty massive in, in my journey. So, Do you feel like, you know, how like when you're writing, do you feel like you're writing to someone or does it just feel good to just write and just to, get it like all out? It's like a release, like, yeah. you know, so um, if something's wrong or if I'm like down or something, I just always jot it down or I write it on my phone and just get it out of the system. Yeah. I've got like, a, I'm pretty lucky that I've got... Uh, a good support team that helps me and that can understand um, that if I just randomly send them a message, they know that something's wrong. Not something's wrong, but okay, this guy just needs an outlet, needs us to be a, a, a ear to listen to. So, um, yeah, I've, I flick their random messages and they understand and they'll always reach out and be like, Bro, just remember, be grateful for what you have and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. That's great. Bro, you're talking about, um, you know, writing as an outlet. Like, do you feel like you're writing to yourself, kind of? Like, cause I, I just thought I'd ask, because you know how you're expressing yourself. Do you feel like you're writing to yourself when you're putting it out there? Or? 
No, not really. Like, like I said, it's just the outlet for me. Like, if I feel something's not right, then just write and get it off my chest. Because as you know, what happened in the past was I'd always just bottle it up, and you know, unresolved anger turns into what we're going through now. So, um, yeah, no, it's just if anything, it's just to get off my chest and to know that I can move forward once that's. So outside of writing, is, is there any other things that you do um, to, to help um, with your, I guess, maintenance of your mental health now? Uh, so now uh, I'm a Muslim, so I've been a Muslim for two years, um, and that's helped massively on my journey with um, my mental health stuff. Uh, so just always having, um, you know, putting the man above and, and my thoughts and everything that I do. So five times a day I'll try and pray. Um, and that kind of takes my mind off, you know, I've got to be grateful for what I have. Uh, I've got loving friends and family that love and care for me. You know, I'm not just the thoughts in my head. So praying those five daily prayers helps me refresh and re-cleanse the mind and then puts me in a good headspace. So, Bro, that's awesome. Uh, you know, that, that, that you're Muslim and... You know, because not there's not many um, Samoans that that are Muslim. Can you tell us how how you kind of arrived there? Yeah, it's pretty funny when you say that because you know I'm battling the stigma of mental health, and now I'm battling the stigma of becoming a Muslim, and obviously being a brown Polynesian working in a European orientated business. Like, there's those three stigmas that are already attached. So. Um, at, at the start, I found it hard because, you know, not many people know about Islam and not you, they just see what the media put out and portray of us, that we're bad people. But in all honesty, like, that's what drew me to Islam and, you know, I'm quite close with, um, yeah, I don't drop his name, but um, a high-profile um, Muslim athlete. And when I was going through my struggles, you know, he would always message and be like, also, how, how's things? How you been? Been good. But yeah, I'm all good, bro. I'm all good. Get off. Um, come over. We'll hang out. We'll talk. And so I saw um, the way that he led his life, um, the way that he conducts himself in front of people, in front of his family, in front of the people that you know that love him and look up to him. And I was like, right, that's what I need in my life. I want, you know, I want I want to be content and be happy with with all that. And so. Um, Every time we'd catch up, you know, I wouldn't, because he's not one of those people that forces religion on people, you know, and I'm, he's just like lead by example. So I just followed his lead and I would ask questions every now and then. And um, he was away with the All Blacks and I flipped him a message. was like, oh, I just, um, I just reverted to Islam and he was like happy. But, you know, it's just put me in a good mindset um, to try and, you know, be a good person. You know, I don't need to prove anything to anyone else um, you know I'm here just to try and be good do good and um, just remember the reasons that why I'm here um, so just really quickly I, while we're on the conversation how your friends with Sonny um, <laughs> 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 um, 
all blacks like you're you're still friends with people in the industry you know and we're going back and we talk about triggers all the time on the hope cast is this a thing for you you know like going back into your childhood that was a, a dream for you being an all black being a, a professional athlete it didn't work out for you but now you're still you know all that because it's a massive thing in New Zealand I mean you know it's on all the time they're everywhere on posters on billboards on TV like how does that make you feel when when you see all that, like you can't, you can't really escape it. Yeah, it's um, it's a funny one because you know, like even though rugby was um, something that I aspired to do and something like a goal that I had, um, as part of my healing process, I had to acknowledge, like, okay, I'm not gonna, yeah. this isn't gonna be me anymore. But the thing that I love about the job that I do now is it still keeps me connected in a way to something that's still, you know, I hold close to my heart. Um, I still get to be around and, uh, you know, do all that kind of stuff. But I also, um, where in my point of my journey now, like I get to also be like, hey, I understand what's happening. I know what you guys are going through. Um, so, you know, it's easy for me to say, sit here, let's talk, let's talk. But I always now try and create a space where if I can see something's wrong, let's go catch up for a coffee and then try and build that rapport, um, that safe space where they want to open up. Um, and then everything just leads from there. Like it's, I think because they see me and, you know, I'm probably bigger than a lot of them. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> Like they see me in a space, like someone that's similar or someone that's kind of like, you know, I've never been all black, but journey down a similar path. When they see someone like us sharing our story, it gives them a little bit more, yeah. Because I feel like there, there will be so many um, guys and girls that will be um, listening to this yeah. right now that are aspiring to be professional athletes in Aotearoa. So I think that this story, you know, because it won't all happen for every single one mm -hmm. of them. You know, the injuries are such a real thing. Like yeah. athletes are amazing people and it is the hardest job. So I think that they're going to get a lot out of this and know that even if they don't end up where they think they're going to end up, you know, there are so many other yeah, avenues where says, they yeah. can, where they'll feel fulfilled. So, Bro, can you, can you tell us about um, that post when you, when you posted it? So after that post that happened, um, it happened on a Friday. So I had like a, so that week I had um, been in to see, that was when I got diagnosed with depression and anxiety. So I went to the doctor. So my family doctor has been with my family for I think three generations. So it was my grandparents, my mum, me, on my kids. So that's four. Um, so like going to her, I, she's seen everything, bro. So it doesn't. I knew that I could be safe and tell her, so I walked in um, and told her um, everything that had happened. And but I just broke down. I remember crying like loud. I was like an ugly sob, but like I didn't care because at that point, like I just needed to get it, get better for my kids, myself foremost, but my kids and my family. And so anyway, they did that stuff. Um, uh, so once I kind of came around, she asked me a few questions and uh, put me on a scale and she was like, you're on the higher end of the scale, so you, you need to go and see someone. Um, but being like a stubborn male, I was kind of like, if that, I'm not going to 
go and see someone that doesn't know me from a bar of soap, but is going to tell me what I need to do. So I, she goes, is there anyone else that you need, you know? And I was like, you know, obviously with my line of work, like I've been fortunate enough to meet some people um, that have journeyed through mental health and um, Sir John Curran was one of them. So they were like, can you, oh, they were like, is there anyone else? I said, oh, I'll call Sir John Curran because I know I'm comfortable in talking to him. So he was on his way to Italy. This is, we were literally in the doctor's room. He was packing, getting ready to go to Italy, and I called, um, and I just broke down when he answered the phone, and my wife took it, had explained everything that had happened, and was like, I fly out tomorrow, get him here tomorrow morning so we can talk. So when I saw him, spoke to him, and he kind of, you know, because he had journeyed through um, depression and anxiety, and he had a rugby background, which was what I was, you know, at the time was really passionate about, like he was someone that I could relate to. So we sat down and had a good good chat and um, he was kind of the, he said the same thing, to be honest. He was like, you need to go and see someone. Uh, we can get someone uh, um, that's Bosfica heritage because they'll be able to understand um, our culture, the way we operate mm. and how all that stuff happens. So. We sorted all that stuff out, um, but still during that week, so that happened on a ch yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, like I had to go back into work and I was like, I still had a lot because nobody at work knew, you know, like I said, I was wearing a, well, always the joker, the funny guy, so they didn't know anything. Um, and we had a work gig on the Friday. I said, because I was always that guy, I was like, yeah, I'm coming, I'm coming, but I'm not going because... You know, I don't want to hang out with this guy. Yeah. Um, and then, so I needed to get it off my chest. And me and one of the other guys were closing the store that I was working at. And I was like having a, like a little anxiety attack. Like I was like, these guys are ex uh, expecting me to turn up, but I'm not going to go. Like, and all these emotions and everything was running through me. Like, how am I going to? So that message that I just read out before, like I... I said to him, I was like, bro, I need to get this off my chest. Can you go read this? And he read it. Then the whole, like, we were, it was just us two in the store. And I just remember crying because I knew someone else knew now. But then again, I was like, how's he going to portray me? Because, you know, I'm a, like, big ish guy. Mm. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, <laughs> like, you know, I always wanted to keep that, like, a tough guy, like, you know image um but then he came out and i saw that the emotion that he had he didn't understand what was happening but all i knew was that he knew my story now and he was there for me mm. and so i told him i said thank you both for you know we had a good chat um and then a part of ways i just said but i'm not going to turn up just let the team know that i'm sick or whatever so i went home and posted that post with a picture of me and my family uh, and I remember turning my phone off and just spending, uh, you know, some good quality time with my kids and my wife. We just hung out and we tried to put a plan in place with obviously, you know, what's happening with me. And I had to yeah. tell my kids too, and that was probably one of the hardest things, you know, was telling my kids what I was going through. Um, and then anyway, I came, I came to work on Monday and I just turned my phone on in the morning. 
um, all these messages were coming because obviously I had it off on the weekend. All these messages were coming through and it was uh, people saying, um, uh, what was it? You know, this. Um, thank you for sharing. This is exactly what I'm going through. Um, this is what I needed to hear. Like, you know, you're not, and it made me feel like, you know, I'm not alone. This yeah. this really is, you know, because you hear it all the time. Like, yeah. you know, this um, this is more common than we think. But you're like, ah, unless you've journeyed through mm-hmm. it and unless you've been on that path, you understand what, what's happening, that things will relate to you. So well, I guess by me sharing that post, a lot of people had reached out and been like, thank you, da-da-da. Um, you know, we're on the same journey as you. Like, thank you for being courageous or whatever it is. And then I was like, oh, yeah, sweet the weight's being lifted off my shoulders. And then at the end of the day, I was just like, in my head, I don't know what it was, but I just kept thinking like, bro, if it's this, um, like if it's this common, why why are people struggling to, you know, because I just obviously shared with my friends, my family, my work colleagues, how I felt and the weight that got lifted off my shoulders, I'm just like, bro, it's easy, just do it, just do it. But then if it was that easy, then I wouldn't have journeyed through what I went through. You know, I wouldn't have been in that position where I just wanted to overdose on bloody tramadols. Mm-hmm. So that's another part of the journey that you just need to understand and acknowledge that, you know, we're, mm-hmm. we're all on different journeys and we're all in, um, there's always different situations, but the story is still the same. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to understand that we do at the end of the day, we, we do need to speak up mm. and ask for help when we need it. Bro, that's that's a powerful um, story and an amazing way that you put it. You know, because Danny, we, we talk a lot about, uh, you know, mask wearing and the inner critic and how we constantly beat ourselves up. And, and the best thing about what Rob's talking about is how, you know, there, there was a few defining moments there when he... Um, you know, took the mask off, you know, like he talked about um, when he was at the doctors, um, you know, when he spoke to uh, Sir John Kerwin, and then he talked about um, his colleague. Like there was three times there where he just put the mask down, probably for the first time ever. And, um, you know, that's something that I think a lot of people out there struggle with. And, and I think it's so powerful. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it sounds easy to do. Like, you know, like how we're sitting here now, you know, like if we only did that back then, you know, it would help so many people. But like you said, everyone has to go through their own journey to experience it and to share it. And Mm. now here we are. And hopefully, well, I know that it's going to save lives, especially your story. Can we quickly go back to the... um, to when you said about the, the tramadol and when you took that and that was the suicide attempt. Did you say that was a couple of years ago? It would have been, um, so I shared this, this story two years ago. So it would have been, I would have been 29. 29. Yeah, 29. Well, 32, yeah, 29. Um, but I was already three years into like a forced retirement because of injuries and stuff. And so during that phase, I was still trying to, like, what am I going to be? What am I going to do? You know, I obviously set out to do something and I never got there. Um, and then it just led me down to that path where I was about 29, yeah. And how old are you now, sir? 32. 32. Sorry, 33. <laughs> <laughs>
So we talked about it in the mask and the inner thoughts and, um, you know, the low moments, but, you know, you were vulnerable. Um, but what are, you, what are you doing now to maintain that moving forward? Um, so we created a, a clothing uh, brand, which is called Borsi. Um, so it's obviously uh, being Borsi, so being courageous, being real, um, and then being ballsy. So the the idea behind it was to try and create a safe space for um, people to speak or share and, and, and be vulnerable, as you said, um, especially for men, because, you know, this is something that I struggled with. So I just wanted to try and create something where there was a safe space for men to just come out and be like, hey, you know, I'm not 100%. This is, and so that's how Borsi came about. Um, and that's what keeps me, um, you know, I guess on my toes or keeps me grounded in terms of um, acknowledging the emotions or something, the hard times that I'm going through, the struggles, mm -hmm. and then being able to push forward. So you're still, so you're still sharing. You're still, yeah, sharing, still sharing as you go yeah. and your your journey, and you're still mm -hmm. being vulnerable. And along the way, you're meeting people that are doing the same. Yeah, exactly. So, like you know, even though I said it's a clothing brand and stuff, but like I don't, the, it's more than just apparel to me. Like mm -hmm. um, you know, if, if you have a look at the image, like it says ballsy, but I don't know if you can see the balls that are underneath. Like it's just the you <laughs> no, know, see understand. like when you look at it, it's just the, like uh -huh, it's an icebreaker. That was yeah. the whole reason why I wanted yeah. to come, like, yeah. why I wanted to come up with it. Because if someone sees someone like myself wearing, oh look, that guy's got. I wonder what that is. Then I come and ask a question, bro, what's that? And I was like, oh, bro, this is uh, a mental, or like, a brand that we try and where we try and raise awareness around mental health and just, you know, help break the stigma attached to it. So, cool man, that's awesome. Cool man. Well, um, Rob, like. Um, once again, um, thanks heaps for uh, jumping on the um, Hopecast. Um, truly appreciate your story and the journey that you've gone through. And, and I'm sure um, plenty of people at home are uh, inspired and, and, and definitely uh, got a lot of hope from, from your story. So um, just from us, um, we, we just want to gift you um, one of these so that um, when you're out there um, on the street, um, people will recognize you as they will and they will also understand that you are hope out there in our community. So thank you, man. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum. We'll have to get a ballsy jumper as well. It's been a while since I've had some balls on me. So. <laughs> <laughs>